Hello, listener. Welcome to yet another episode of the Bugol Football Podcast. Today on the pod, we shall review match day six of the Champions League group stages and also look ahead to the biggest games in the European leagues this weekend. Good day, listener. It's Friday yet again. Uh, although we are recording on a Thursday, uh, but since I'll need some time to make some edits and release this podcast, uh, which is being recorded on the Thursday, so let's go with Friday. Uh, TGIF. I don't like their food though. Hyped. We have a new voice on the pod today, Alan Vince. Alan, I'm hoping I pronounce your name correct. It is, it is, yes. <laughs> Cliffner Allen is the editor and the admin of the United Journal. Hey, Allen, good to have you here. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me in this podcast and I'm really buzzing to join. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Kind of slept pretty late yesterday, 4 a.m. out here in India when the Champions League finished off and uh, woke up pretty late as well. So not too happy with that, but it's just something I'm used to now. Yes, definitely. Right. So Alan, for those of the listeners who are not aware of the United Journal, uh, tell us a little about it, uh, where and how it started and uh, where it has reached today. Yes. Uh, so we are an independent news organization which covers all things Manchester United. We are available 24-7. So whenever news breaks online, uh, what are work or what we are supposed to do online is to publish it in short uh, transcripts and this way it will help our uh, followers as well as uh, people who are on twitter to get updates regarding a certain transfer maybe it could be related to a game so we cover games each and every week whether it be premier league or champions league and along with that we have various other contents out there as well. We have a YouTube channel where we have done few exclusive interviews, especially during the transfer window. And then uh, recently we started a website which deals with different kinds of articles ranging from opinions to tactical pieces. And I'm not the founder of uh, United Journal, but um, it was founded two years back. I joined in uh, last year as an admin and an editor. Along with that, uh, we did a lot of uh, good uh, projects this year, which we are pretty happy with. And um, many other followers have come into the Twitter loop where we've been able to improve our content day after day. That's helping us and various other aggregators around us who are uh, posting updates in a regular manner. Right. I'm one of them as well. Contributing writer for the United Journal. <laughs> so yeah, listener, if you are looking for some fine content around Man United, uh, and if you want something new and refreshing apart from the usual suspects of the mainstream media, you should definitely check out the United Journal. Um, yeah, adding one more thing. Um, the main uh, aim or the agenda behind starting this aggregation um, page is basically to help people to be sourced with the best uh, reliable updates rather than, you know, the clicks right, clickbaits that are coming from tabloids. So right, right. this will help each and every one of you to uh, get the best sourced news that is out there, especially mm. in different parts of the country. Absolutely. Right. Now, so uh, listener, you will find the link for the United Journal um, in the description of this pod. And this is where Alan and I drop our Man United hats for now. Right. The end of 2021 is near and the Champions League group stages are done and we'll have to wait for the new year, which will bring us the champions. Well, did I do that right? I know. Might be funny. Might be not true. Anyhow, group stages of the Champions League have been concluded and from 32, we have 16 teams left who will now compete for the biggest prize in club football. Appreciate stuff. Alan. Who do you have your money on with and without the Man United hat? Yeah, it's very difficult. 
uh, I was surprised that uh, United were able to salvage results, uh, even from late setbacks. Um, moving away from the United side, let's come to Premier League first. Premier League clubs, Liverpool have been uh, awfully good, winning all their games, uh, topping the group at 18 points and that too in group of death with AC Milan, Porto as well as Atletico Madrid. AC Milan is currently first in Syria and Atletico is ha- having a slight dip. But Atletico managed to co- qualify because of the experience they had from past tournaments and Diego Simeone at their side. And when you look at uh, the other groups, Man City comfortably finished in that group as well as uh, Chelsea. Chelsea and Juventus were the only contenders to get out of the group and the rest of them didn't look like anywhere close to qualifying. And coming to other clubs, I believe the favourites of uh, this year's Champions League are going to be Bayern Munich uh, because of the way they are coached and drilled. And they have Robert Lewandowski as well. And uh, Leroy Sané has come, come to good form too. And uh, we have been seeing how they approach each and every game when it comes to European competitions. And one yeah. thing that's favouring Bundesliga clubs is that they're having this winter break coming up, which is mm. not there for the others. So they'll be able to um, reboot and condition well for uh, coming European games. And that'll help give them the space to prioritise as well. I think Spain also has a as a winter break. Uh, even Italy, for that matter, it's, it's just the English clubs who suffer um, yep. and entertain us doing that. Uh, winter break, which is fabulous for us at least, but yeah, kind of, I kind of get it. But at the same time, Chelsea uh, won the league, uh, Champions League last time around, and City were with them in the finals. So yeah, there is a rift, with, sorry, a drift between the English clubs and the rest of them, and probably we'll we'll talk about that uh, as well in in the, in, the, in the coming minutes of the spot. So, you mentioned uh, Man City there. So, let's start with Group A then, uh, where obviously City were already qualified as group winners before match day six. And um, they'll be glad they were, as they lost to RB Leipzig 2-1 at the RB Arena, whereas Paris Saint-Germain won 4-1 against Club Brugge, and uh, they finished second. What do you think, City? I think uh, City had a, a good group stage. They won mm. four uh, lost to mm, they lost the PSG uh, as well as the the Leipzig game, yeah. but they were have, they comfortably won the won the games that uh, they played well, right. and Leipzig were in uh, you know bad form, especially with uh, Jesse Marsh getting sacked this week. And uh, one thing Pep Guardiola does well is that he shuffles the team a lot, but at the end he'll come to a point where you cannot avoid bottlenecks. And that's what happened with City. But Leipzig played well yesterday, surprisingly well. They had uh, more uh, big chances compared to City. They had nine, City had eight. And they had more attempts inside the box too. So it was a well-deserved victory for Leipzig. But uh, City were uh, comfortable. It was a, what do you say, all they had to do was uh, ensure themselves in the group. And uh, it was more like a free hit for them. It was either... uh, Hmm. City had uh, confirmed the qualification last week, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a big risk. They had to play a uh, few of their young players in order to give them minutes. And that really helped. But, you know, few areas of the game, uh, they didn't do well. So, it was a deserving victory for Leipzig. It was a good game, though. Uh, pretty end to end stuff. Yes, definitely. And uh, definitely entertaining for the purest football fans. So, I think that's one thing that can come out of it. But I don't know. It, after watching that game, I, I sort of felt that maybe City might not have it uh, well this time around um, like they had last time. But you just never know. But uh, at the same time, I'll still count them as one of those favourites um, along with the rest of them, which we'll, we'll talk about. PSG game obviously wasn't a shocker. Messi scored again, thankfully. Um, so... What do you think about PSG's chances this time? I think it's going to be clutch clutch time for Moshe Pochettino. Mm. He'll be have to... Uh, he's been linked to United job. I say, I'm co- coming with the United point each and every time because we, we have been uh, you know linked with a lot of managers in the past week. And um, th- that 
and Pochettino was someone who indirectly informed many others that he isn't willing to join United now. But uh, the way how PSG operates, uh, things won't happen, especially right. uh, with how things panned out with Mbappe last summer. Yeah. So um, it's going to be difficult in the way Pochettino lines up. But if they're getting uh, good, easy fixtures in the coming round of 16, uh, they have a good chance, you know, of progressing. But if Pochettino is not able to uh, win the Champions League, he will be leaving the club most probably and paving way for uh, Zinedine Zidane to come in. So that's something we'll have to uh, look out for. But... Uh, if PSG is having their players in good form when it comes to the knockout phases, they'll be able to, um, you know, go through, uh, dominate and cruise each and every game that they're playing. Hold your horses, Aaron. I'm going to tell you something pretty amazing here. Yep. PSG finished second and their potential opponents in the next round could be Ajax, Juventus, Liverpool, Man United, Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. I'm sure it's going to be United. <laughs> <laughs> if it is, I think if you look at it that way, um, you know, from a PSG standpoint, I think they would want Man United to be that team, or maybe maybe Juventus, because personally, I think um, Ajax, Liverpool, um, and Bayern Munich, at least these three teams, are more than capable of beating that PSG side, even with those superstars in them, even with Lionel Messi with them. I think beating at least these three would be difficult for, for Pochettino. And yeah, like you said, that could be the end for him uh, at Paris. I think uh, they'll have to ba- find the right balance in the team. Mm. Um, PSG will need to find it out some way or the other. They have time. Uh, they need to prepare really hard. But I feel PSG might you know just miss out because of the internal politics that's going on. There will be favoritism in the way certain players uh, come into the squad and uh, Leonardo is someone who has a lot of influence in the dressing room. So, mm. uh, Poch will have to, you know, uh, keep his eyes on each and every player in order to see whether they'll be able to move forward. So, it's time for them to introspect a bit before uh, jumping to the next round. Uh, and it's going to be difficult for them. Uh, difficult for uh, P- uh, PSG, not a cakewalk for Pochettino. So, we'll see how it moves. Yep. Interesting, definitely. So we were talking of that uh, that sort of fixture which PSG might face. Well, Liverpool came out of uh, their group of death pretty easily. They won their all six games of their groups, uh, becoming the first English team to do so. Um, but while the Reds from Liverpool had already qualified, there was a lot of drama and movement below them in that group with uh, the rest of the three teams battling out for that one Champions League spot, uh, the knockout spot, I mean, and the one Europa League spot. Alan, what did you make of the group of death on match day six? It certainly was interesting because mm. Atletico lost the last game against yeah. Milan. So we had to uh, see what's going to happen in the Liverpool game uh, as well as the way um, Atletico were approaching this game because... They lost to Mallorca uh, in the last La Liga game that they had played. And they had mm-hmm. to travel to Porto. So, it was difficult. Even um, Oblak had uh, stated that it they might, you know, see a bad result at the end of the day. You know, it might be a sad so- story for, for them, this uh, Champions League stage. Uh, uh, they might even not make it out of this phase because they were bottom of the group last week. Right. And then coming to this week, they had to uh, see what they had to do the best. But certain decisions that they made in summer, that really benefited them. Antoine Griezmann scored the goal. Uh, and That was this, Barca's it, decision, right? <laughs> it was, yeah. I was coming to it. It was forced <laughs> the way this decision took place. And then uh, they had uh, Rodrigo De Paul as well uh, in summer. Um, these players uh, played an important role in order to uh, get a difficult victory. Uh, against Porto. And uh, another thing is that Atletico have been awfully poor this season. Lots of individual mistakes, a slack marking at set pieces, and they were also caught out on counter-attacks. So, um, this was seen in the Mallorca game where um, uh, Take Fuza Kubo, who uh, is a loanee from Real Madrid, 
Japanese kid. Uh, I don't know if the transfer took place permanently or not, but he had a good game uh, and found uh, he almost uh, found the winner uh, in that game. But yeah, uh, that was how the Mayoka game went. They had issues in attack as well, but luckily, I think it's the experience they have with these European tournaments where they're able to get into yeah. the uh, you know knockout stages and then. Um, or salvage some point at uh, certain uh, parts of the game. So they won in different moments rather than uh, the game as a whole. But um, overall, uh, if you look at the group stages, they were pretty lucky in the way they qualified. Yeah, I think firstly on the on the La Liga form, it's pretty astonishing to see the you know last year's La Liga winners 10 points behind the league leaders, which is Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, so that's something. They, like you mentioned, they were bottom of the group in the Champions League on match day five. Uh, Porto were second, and Milan were third. And now Liverpool obviously first. Atletico beat Porto three one away, and um, now they're second. They will go to the next round, and uh, Porto will play the Euro- Europa League because Milan lost two one to Liverpool at San Siro, which is pretty sad. For Stefano Pioli's men, uh, we're actually top of Serie A. So, by one point, yeah. <laughs> that I'm hoping that at least from a, from a Milan standpoint, um, hoping that Milan, Milan's exclusion from the Europa League is sort of a blessing in disguise and uh, the Rossoneri can go on to win the Scudetto, hopefully. Right. We'll move on to Group D then, Alan. Uh, now, surprise package, Sheriff FC. Ended third in the group after winning their first two games, including that famous win at the Bernabeu. Um, Madrid, Real Madrid, bad. Real Madrid beat uh, Inter Milan 2 0, 10 man Inter at the end of the game. And that will be the order of the group Real Madrid first, Internacional second. Yes. Alan. I think, yeah, it was a good contest uh, for Real Madrid against uh, Inter. Mm. Uh, but Cruz and Asensio's uh, goal really in each half sealed the yeah. point for them yeah. and um, that helped them win the group and uh, if you look at the Sheriff game I felt certain uh, doubts with Real Madrid in the way they could uh, progress in the group because they were well. yeah they wanted Mbappe in summer and then uh, they were going through this uh, phase where uh, they had a lot of doubts in terms of finance and uh, various other things. But one thing that Carlo Ancelotti has brought into the side is uh, control and balance. They were able to maintain it uh, consistently. If you look at the La Liga form, it is uh, it is clear. Proof is there in the pudding itself that um, yeah. ninth state win in all competitions. Uh, and that too, uh, they are unbeaten in 12 consecutive matches. So that just shows you how how uh, dominating Real Madrid are uh, in terms of uh, winning each and every games and then coming out of the danger that they were in. And uh, if you look at certain players that they are having, um, they've improved compared to last season. People Delicious. like uh, yeah, <laughs> Rodrigo. Uh, these mm. players have improved and uh, that's good news for Real Madrid. So, yeah. uh, and um, even after losing uh, Ramos and uh, Rafael Varan uh, to PSG and Manchester United, re- respectively, they were able to, um, you know, um, do well with what they had with mm-hmm. uh, Militao uh, and others. So uh, we'll see how it goes, and they might even be able to uh, bring in uh, Rudiger in mm, the next yeah. summer. So. They're going to be a strong team coming to next season with Mbappe as well. And they might win the free transfer market. (laughs) And uh, that's something. uh, See, I'm going a lot into transfer market because uh, that's how the game is being seen these days. And uh, that's not it. Uh, It shows you how much uh, Real Madrid have grown compared to last season. So, it's it's been a good uh, group stage for them. I think one thing that's something I felt I've been feeling this uh, this season is there's little hype around uh, Real Madrid. I mean, they don't have that that Galactico star power anymore. Um, you know, they lost Ramos. They they already also 
already lost Ronaldo a couple of seasons ago, which seems uh, history now, but still. Um, so they have players in the making. We, we mentioned Vinicius, who could be one in the making. Uh, obviously, Don Carlo is there and uh, he can turn things around, but uh, I still don't see them challenging for you know the Champions League, the Decimo Cuarta. Uh, this summer, do you, do you see them lifting or challenging for the Champions League in, in this this time around, or will it, it take Mbappe and you know the rest of the company, whosoever follows through the door at, at the Bernabeu, and probably challenge next year? I think um, if the team is able to sustain balance uh, in the coming games, if they're able to keep the keep up with the consistency, they'll be having more confidence. That will help in uh, you know. Help, help few players are not who are not playing well in the current Real Madrid squad to you know uh, buckle up themselves and then uh, you know play well. That'll really help them to um, come out, maybe even win a few knockout stages. And definitely, luck plays a big factor in it. Right, right. Maybe we can see see something uh, coming up in the winter transfer window. Maybe they might if they are able to upgrade someone that'll help them. And they have got some uh, good experience in midfield. Uh, if you look at Modric and Cruz, um, Casemiro, these players are helping them uh, to go to the stage where they want to be. Yeah. And this balance really uh, comes with a good midfield that you're having in, inside the team. We have, we have seen in different uh, teams that people are not able to uh, align their midfield correctly. Some are not able to um, uh, form a good shape in the front. So, all these tactical uh, things matter a lot moving into the game. Uh, it'll be difficult for them, but I think uh, they might be able to come till the semi-finals of the tournament. It's it's possible. Yep. Possible. Yeah, yeah. The most famous, the biggest story of this year's Champions League is Barcelona getting knocked out of the group stages. And uh, from what I understand and from reading is they have not qualified from the group stages for the first time after 17 years. 17 years. That's a lot of years. 17 years. That's uh, that's a lot of years. <laughs> I can't. I mean, it was shocking. I, I had one eye on, on, the, on the Barca game yesterday. Uh, because uh, there's some sort of a purist in me and I sort of wanted Barcelona to go through. But at the same time, I felt it would be nice to see, you know, Barcelona play at the Olympic Stadium against West Ham United, which is a dream, which is a well and truly alive. And um, that's the flip and the positive side that I'm kind of uh, seeing through for, through this. What do you feel? What do you think about the whole Barcelona debacle and uh, also... Uh, impact that Xavi has not been able to have uh, yet. I think Xavi will take some time in order to find the right balance. Balance mm-hmm. is a very common uh, word uh, that I'm using. I, I need to find some synonym for that. So, um, <laughs> so um, the main issue here is that um, it's a very young team. They've got uh, inexperience in it. A few players have played a uh, good amount of minutes for the national team uh, that doesn't affect them at all. Uh, I truly understand that. But the issue, issue here is that they've lost some of the key players. Leo Messi, uh, Luis Suarez, um, Antoine Griezmann. And then um, they're playing with uh, people like uh, Gavi, Pedri, uh, and Busquets is their captain, if, I, uh, mm. if, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Frankie de Jong hasn't been his best yet this season. And I think he'll improve a lot under Xavi uh, with the way uh, I see a lot of potential in him. Um, but the biggest, uh, the, uh, what do you say, a thing that doesn't benefit Barca a lot is their uh, front three. They're playing with Dest the, uh, in the right wing. Yeah. And I don't know how that helps. Uh, they need... Yeah, and I want Memphis Depay to do well because he was there at United. And I felt a bit sad in the way the story ended at Old Trafford. Um, and thing is that Xavi will need to spend a lot of time. He's trying to shape the discipline at the club. They suffered a lot 
in the summer when it comes to uh, finance how covid affected them and the amount of debt that they are in and then the change of presidency with joan laporta and the politics that he's playing at the club that's really uh, caused a lot of issues whatever promises he has given to the socios that is not being uh, taken that's care it. of yes, yeah, yeah he's not he, he's like Uh, you know the pure politician that we see anywhere else nothing else. Mm. I, like i expected a lot more from him but um another part of my mind tells me that he needs time too like the club needs to uh, re- reform s- uh, certain areas they need to uh, work on their fitness fitness has been absolute shambles if you look at one player that is usman dembele who played yesterday he got subbed off but whenever we uh, whenever i see usman dembele i just see the word injury because uh, that's how the conditioning and uh, sports science department has been at barcelona they are not working well so they have to bring in the right people uh, and should look into the game in a very detailed manner so the good amount of discipline will help them in order to progress into the groups and europa league is going to be tough for barcelona they shouldn't underestimate it yeah, yeah there are good teams um, we, i think we are just going to discuss but uh, sevilla are also in europa league after they'll win it they're going to yeah. win it <laughs> they're going to As win always. it yes exactly <laughs> we all know it yeah. because we have been in the europa league so we know that sevilla is going to win it uh, unless unless villarreal you know maybe um, um ball to this game uh, that's against atlanta right so yeah right um, so there's a lot of equations uh, derivatives moving here and there on who wins the games uh, coming up in europa league so it's going to be interesting to watch uh, how barcelona will uh, approach the games moving forward i i was reading the, uh, you know um zavi's post match comments and one thing he 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 obviously accepts he knows the the job that is at hand and it's pretty tough obviously um and he he said it out loud and it, it completely makes sense that uh, he said a new era starts starts today we start from zero our object objective is the champions league not the europa league but that is our reality now and we have to try and win it but they won't because sevilla is going to win it but yep. yeah i think javi understands uh the reality that is that exists at barcelona football club absolutely javi is a proper is a proper gentleman he understands the club yeah uh, he knows what the dna really is he wants the certain amount of good things to happen at the club he'll try to mold uh, individuals as much as possible yeah So yeah, it's going to be tough, interesting. Tough, tough. One thing yeah, I, I was watching the game tough, yesterday yeah. and I saw was you know I felt at least was uh, they lack belief and obviously that comes with experience. But they just lack belief. They 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 felt completely disheartened and they knew that you know they had their back up against the wall and they had very little. Uh, they just couldn't challenge uh, the mighty Bayern and obviously Bayern are at their heights. But yeah, hopefully in the coming years they will. Uh, come up and be the team that they were i have had a chat with a couple of good barcelona fans some of them actually who are locals out there and and they do accept it they do understand they in fact they say themselves that it's going to take at least 4 to 5 years before barcelona can be the barcelona that the world has known in the last at least decade um, yeah 10 years it's been alan since they thumped man united at wembley uh yes. so probably that yeah that was a, probably the best football team i've ever seen barcelona football team that won the champions league at wembley and here we are now the mighty have fallen <laughs> yeah i think they'll come back the thing is that they lost a lot of confidence when they saw saw bayern munich um, placed in their group mm. so Uh, because of the manner in which they lost the semi final all these things are there uh, inside uh, some of the players mind especially people like gerard pk uh, testegen uh, busquets so uh, and they've lost key player like messi when you are losing someone of yeah. uh, that pedigree and role model you have to fill the void so and they don't have the finances to do so so and they under invested they didn't invest a lot uh, into their academy uh, la masia so uh, these things have to be you know uh, they have to be straight uh, people have to um, the development should take place parallelly along with 
uh, how they are managing the first team. So, um, Joseph Bartomeu left this place in hell. So, uh, it's up to the new president to bring in the right people and delegate uh, the correct duties uh, for Barca to come back to the pinnacle at the point where they were earlier. Yeah, such a, I mean, when you read about Barcelona and kind of look, go through the case study, I think that's a poorly run organization, not just a football club, but just a poorly run organization. I mean, uh, as a Man United fan, people talk about the Glazers and how they run their club. Look at Barcelona. It's just, like you said, hell, it's just a mess. And they've got one of their own to help them clean up their mess. So, yeah, let's see. Yes. Well, uh, talk of Man United. Next up, <laughs> Group F. Now, Group F, yes. <laughs> Man United have all had already qualified after Michael Carrick's Reds. Uh, he's at that time beat Villarreal on uh, match day five. And uh, results elsewhere meant they finished up as the group winners. Carrick then left United. New manager Ralph Fragnit came up. And uh, yesterday was his first game, first Champions League game for Man United where he shuffled the bat completely. Uh, he ingested some young blood of some young boys to play young boys at Old Trafford. <laughs> Funny how that came along and also sounds just about yeah. right. <laughs> right, Alan, Man United hat on now, both of us. Boring game. I did not enjoy that game at all. That's why I picked up my phone um, and started watching the other game, which was Barcelona and Bayern. And that was done and dusted as well pretty quickly. But um, decent outing for the young boys of Man United. Um, Listen, this game was a draw and this was not the result that young boys Burn wanted. So no Europa League football for them. Um, so not the best day for those young boys, but decent enough for Man United's young boys. Are you guys still with me? Yes, yes. So uh, the thing, the thing about uh, Manchester United is that this started at an all-time low this season when it comes to Champions League uh, with a mispass from Jesse Lingard, and. Uh, the group stages ended with the mispass from Donny van de Beek as well. That led to goal mm. for young boys. So it was young boys versus young boys yesterday's game. <laughs> uh, we saw a very funny lineup where um, a lot of people have been calling for Donny six, or yeah. But the issue is that he didn't play with Matic. He played with. Uh, Lingard and Marta in mm. midfield too. So, it was confusing with how they lined up with the 4-2-2. Four, four, two, two. It was uh, refreshing to see people like Ilanga as well as Ahmad play after a very long time in this mm. team. And Eric Bai uh, was an animated figure. Like <laughs> I was laughing all the time whenever he Loved touched it. the ball. Like My goodness, the way he defends. Sometimes I think Every time, it's more like approaching hell as well as heaven. You're standing in that gate between hell and heaven. How do you approach uh, that kind of a scenario? Eric Bai knows the answer to it. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But uh, we saw uh, certain issues with United yesterday. It was a boring game. I I agree with it. But uh, there is a lot for Ragnik to learn about our squad from how we played against young boys, whether it be uh, any team, uh, we are Manchester United, we have certain standards to live up to. And uh, the team was experimental from my understanding because it was a free hit. We won uh, won our last game, we qualified top of the group, which was not at all expected. Credits to Michael Carrick as well with the way he handled that game. So... um, what our main objective was to um, give rest to our core group of players, help them recover, and give minutes to the people who have been on the bench for the past few games. So mm-hmm. that's what he did. And I think he was okay with the result, Ralph Pragnik. He wasn't happy, but still, uh, he said in, po- in his post-match that um, it, w- it was fine with the way he saw things. But team-like cohesion, structure... Uh, they were in control in the first half. They lost control in the last five minutes of the half. And second half, it was all young boys from what I saw. From both sides. Yep. 
<laughs> so uh, that is no I, I, it was a common yeah. theme I mean, even in the palace game I, you know the the first half first half an hour I would say and I wrote on this as well on the United Journal is how unrecognizable uh, they were in terms of how they were playing and you know pressing although it was again something similar in, in this game as well but then they lost the plot and uh, kind of just didn't uh, have the energy to you know take this game forward. Uh, Donny, I think did well again in that first half an hour. I, I I saw him spraying the ball around pretty well, putting a neat passes through the lines. I think he was doing well, and yeah, was at fault for that goal. But at the same time, I felt I think Van Dasaka was just switched off. I think I think he that pass was meant for him. Or to come in, maybe I'm just trying. Maybe I'm just trying to protect Donny Van de Beek here because I love that guy. But yeah, I think uh, a common theme, and yeah, it was a team that had not played well at all together. I think uh, Ahmad and Elanga both had brilliant chances to add to the score, and uh, their inexperience probably came in and uh, led to them you know, messing things up in front of the goal. So could have been gone elsewhere, but yeah, a good good. 90 minutes for for all of those involved and uh, yeah now to the knockouts on the flip side though i mean the game was boring but um six non-united graduates made their champions league debut alan including zidanik Bal of south asian origin and charlie savage son of yes. former player robbie savage who was actually part of the class of 92 but uh, he couldn't make the cut of uh, the team at Old Trafford that went on to achieve some special things. Uh, let's hope his son has a great career at the Theatre of Dreams. It was an emotional moment uh, for the family. Mm. The way he made his debut. Uh, his uncle, uh, John, as well as he was like posting a lot of things on Twitter saying that his uh, nephew's gonna... Uh, he's saying his boy's gonna make his debut for United today. Being on a bench for um, Charlie Savage was a privilege uh, yeah. for the family as a whole. So that's something good. And Zidane Iqbal, I'm very proud uh, that we are seeing someone from Southeast, uh, South Asian origin, you know, uh, getting into that United side, getting his debut. Mm. So it was a special night was, uh, yeah. when it comes to people who played on the pitch. Yeah. Right. Well, that was Group E, was it? Group F. But uh, Group F is not group done, F, listener. Right, uh, there's still a Champions League match left if you wish to watch one tonight. Uh, actually, Thursday, and you'll be listening on Friday. So this match would have been done. But anyhow, I'm still going to say that Atlanta and Villarreal's game on Wednesday was postponed uh, by a day due to snowfall. And so there's a final round of 16 berth up, still up for grabs. Should either of them want one more than the other? Finally, uh, we move to Group H, where a dramatic couple of minutes in the last uh, few minutes of the game, uh, in the game between Zenit versus Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea were 3-2 up until the 94th minute, and at that time, they were topping the group. But thanks to a 94th minute equalizer from Magomed Ozduev, led to a remarkable 3-3 finish in St. Petersburg. Juventus, meanwhile, beat Malbo 1-0. And thankfully, for, because of that, for them, thankfully, let's say, they topped the group. Alan, let's just talk Chelsea here. It's been a couple of weeks where the current European champions haven't been on top of the game, let's say. I mean, there was a time, obviously, Lukaku was injured, but they were managing well without him. And... Uh, or let's if you you know get back to the United game again, and uh, I was expecting United getting mauled and just thrown out of the park by by Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, but they weren't. Um, they held United held on uh, and uh, secured a secured a point, which was, in my opinion, two points dropped for Chelsea. And again, yesterday, Zenit. Uh, what do you think is happening? Uh, with Thomas Tuchel's? I think uh, they're recovering slowly. It's a slight dip in form. Um, maybe it could be due to certain um, issues which they have in backline. Uh, we heard about the 
Christensen's uh, Andres Christensen's uh, contract story, where Tuchel has been publicly forcing him to uh, extend the contract as soon as possible, which doesn't look very easy. And uh, there are a lot of internal frictions happening inside the club. And uh, another thing is that yeah, it's funny that United were the ones who got start get who started getting result results against Chelsea. Uh, after a uh, very long time in the Premier League because they have been oh. dominating each and every game when it comes to uh, solidity in the uh, back line. But yeah. um, the past few games we've seen, even uh, Edward Mendy uh, make a big mistake against West Ham that led to them winning the game. And um, yesterday, I think it was Kepa who played. Uh, uh, they couldn't... Timo Werner had a good game. And I remember uh, Raphael van der Waal. Yeah. Thankfully for him. <laughs> Some Dutch uh, presenter uh, or yeah, broadcaster yeah. compared him with Van Persie. Van Persie, yeah. <laughs> and he said, I'll walk away if you connect to Van Persie again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that that was the... Um, so, so, so many things were happening in that game. Uh, but a well-deserved draw for Zenit. They were leading in uh, first half. And then they uh, came back... Uh, Three all in second half, and it was an additional minute uh, of uh, after crossing uh, ninety minutes, uh, I suppose. So maybe Chelsea will have to look what's happening in their defense and uh, certain midfield player. There, there have been is- uh, issues with midfield too. Jorginho hasn't been having a, a, a good game in the past uh, few, so he'll need to catch up. Mason Mount is doing well for uh, Chelsea. It's not surprising he's he's doing really well. Um, I think what they'll have to do is maybe see what... Uh, and now they're seeing this um, Lukaku is not able to... Uh, like He's not able to perform as much. But I think yesterday's game, he was fine. So, a lot of mixed bag opinions coming from Chelsea's uh, Chelsea fans as well. Do you but, see similarities uh, with the United, the Lukaku that United had, the one that yeah, played, I mean, uh, because I, obviously was it um, okay? Let me rephrase it. Was it all Conte that brought the best out of uh, Lukaku? I mean, that's I think that was his most successful year as a striker. Uh, obviously, won the Scudetto with Inter year last year. And, uh, was it all Conte? Is it is he just not ready for the biggest stages in football? I think uh, it was mainly to do with uh, Syria as well, the way the league was played. Um, I feel the pace of the league suited Lukaku. And like you said, Conte knows how to bring the best out of uh, strikers, uh, especially in a 4-4-2 formation. So that really helped. uh, And it's difficult uh, to manage a player like uh, Lukaku because... Sometimes he performs well in his uh, build-up. Otherwise, you might not even see him on the pitch. Uh, you know, sometimes more like uh, Anthony Martial has had some bad games for United. Um, I've seen similarities, but um, his interspell was the best that we've ever seen uh, in his career. And um, good, uh, good games for Belgium as well when it comes to the World Cups. Uh, in which uh, France won. So, uh, there are a lot of things that uh, plays and I think time will tell. He might need some time to adjust uh, to the league and the pace at which Premier League is played. So, um, and coming back from the in, uh, injury, it's not easy as well. So, uh, we'll see how uh, Luka, uh, how Jukil will bring the best out of Lukaku. I think he's got few solutions in the bag, but thing is that uh, he's not able to get the right game to experiment it because it's a win-win for... It, Chelsea has to win each and every game moving forward if they want to win the title, that is right. Premier League. Because Man City and Liverpool are looking strong already, so uh, they can't risk any right. kind of... Uh, yeah. Right, totally. Agreed. Let's see what happens with Chelsea in the coming weeks. But um, you know, it was, it was surprising because just last week they completely demolished 
Juventus 4-0 and it seemed like a side well on their way to maybe retain the Champions League title but just feel a little off when you know you draw 3-3 and consider last minute goal when you're about to top the group just not Chelsea-ish uh, from, my, from what I look yes sir <laughs> Right. Just two other groups left to discuss and we kind of go through it quickly. Uh, group G, Lille qualified top of the, top of the group uh, and RB Salzburg qualified second. Uh, Salzburg listener is now the first Austrian team to reach the knockout stages of the Champions League and well done to them. Probably a good time to be a Red Bull for the Red Bull franchisee. They might just win the championship, have their championship driver, sorry, the F1 driver, sorry, <laughs> have Max Verstappen win the, um, the F1 championship in a Red Bull car this weekend. So, yeah, good time for the Red Bull group. Meanwhile, Group C was pretty much done and dusted. Ajax had won their group already. Dortmund had been eliminated to the Europa League already. And Ajax went on to win their sixth game of the group stage. The likes of Erling Haaland and Jude Bellingham will now play Europa League football, maybe, mm-hmm. unless they move teams in January, which is possible, but at the same time difficult. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of sad for to see Dortmund with those players um, uh, not competing in the elite European football competition. Uh, so let's see. How how things turn out for uh, for Dortmund in the coming months, right? That was Champions League roundup from Alan and myself. Listen of the Champions League round of sixteen draw will take place on Monday, the December thirteenth, uh, in Neon, Switzerland, and uh, probably pretty exciting stuff for us uh, coming this Monday. So that was Champions League. Then we'll quickly move on to a couple of fixtures uh, for the weekend which we believe you should definitely keep your eye on. Firstly, and I'm definitely watching this, uh, Liverpool host, former Liverpool player, Steven Gerrard's Arsenal Villa on Saturday. Villa, of course, are flying high since uh, he took over. So it will be interesting to see if Gerrard can put a dent to his former side's title challenge. Alan, looking forward to this one. Definitely. It's going to be a must-watch. For every any football fan around the world, because right. Steven Gerrard, of a club legend, playing against Villa, uh, sorry, pardon, uh, against uh, Liverpool. So mm. uh, there is a good irony to it. The way things are going to pan out, I think Liverpool will comfortably win it. Win it. Uh, but uh, you know, it's Steven Gerrard. Um, maybe he might be, you know, trying to prove the bosses up in Liverpool, saying that you know my time is gonna come at Liverpool. Maybe in the future when I'm yeah. gonna manage this club uh, after Jurgen Klopp leaves. So uh, I think Klopp has got all, all these things in control because the lineup that he started for the Milan game, he even gave um, a debut a Champions League debut to Tyler Morton in midfield. Yeah, and Klopp's Klopp's game is fully based on systems. His system is strong. He's got a, a very uh, crystal clear identity with the way he wants to play, and Mo Salah is in a good form. So, um, I think for, uh, if they are able, if Liverpool are able to convert uh, one goal at least in their first half, it's probably Liverpool will win that game because. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be a tough test for Villa because Villa has been winning the last few games, uh, if I remember correctly. They lost so, to Man City. That was the only one. Even then, they played remarkably well. I mean, they lost yeah. 2-1. Um, so, Two. it, it yeah, will be lost. a fight, definitely. It will be a fight for Liverpool. But yeah, it will probably squeeze away out of it, surely. It will be, yeah. Definitely. Right. So, that's one. Um, and then the other game that I'll... Uh, I mean, everyone will have their eye on will be the Madrid derby uh, on Sunday, which is at the Bernabeu. Uh, of course, like we mentioned before, uh, 10 points behind Real Madrid as we go into the weekend. 
Apart from that, other Premier League action involves Man United traveling to Carrow Road to take on Dean Smith's Norwich City. Uh, Chelsea will host Leeds United at Stamford Bridge. And Arsenal are going to host Southampton, which I believe would be another tough fixture for Mikel Arteta's men, especially after their loss to Everton last time around. Alan, any any predictions for, for those games? I think um, it's going to be interesting seeing Dean Smith playing United once more. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won last time, right? He won last yeah, time. Yeah, he won last time with yeah. Villa. Villa, so, Old Trafford, yeah. Uh, Ragnik will have to, you know, put a strong team in. Yeah. And uh, if they're able to... Uh, and it's... Even though uh, it's Norwich City who's had a couple of uh, bad results, uh, not couple... More than a couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, still, we have to be uh, wary of each and every opposition that we are facing in the Premier League. Okay. Especially okay. when we are Manchester United. Uh, yeah. We tend to take certain fixtures easily, but uh, uh, but uh, we need to see each and every game as three points, three points, three points. Otherwise, um, we won't be able to uh, get to the level where, where we want to be. Mm-hmm. I think um, United will maybe win it 2-0. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then uh, Chelsea are hosting a Leeds game, right? So, I think it's going to be a tough fight, but I still expect Chelsea to win this one uh, after a I long time. Che- I, think. I think Chelsea will draw. I, 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 I'm going to put my money on uh, Bamford score against his ex, ex mm-hmm. club. That'll be something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, he, like he said, he probably played a minute for Chelsea, but nevertheless. Yeah, and Arsenal hosting Southampton. I think uh, it's a tough one. Losing. I could see Arsenal losing this one. <laughs> Arsenal losing this one. But, and I feel bad for Mikel Arteta. I really want that guy to succeed in Arsenal. But it's it's a lot like Ole. I mean, it's just not happening. Players are not performing. Aubameyang. Did, did you see Aubameyang's miss against Everton? Yes. <laughs> bummer. Absolute bummer. That was a clean yeah. striker's finish. Should have buried it into the you know the bottom corner instead, just put it out somewhere else. So yeah, they're not doing well. I think Odegaard is and Martinelli and uh, Saka, they're doing well. These cheese chaps are doing well, but yeah, they need help. They need help from their experienced strikers and Abamayang and Lacazette are just not able to do that just that for them. Mikel Arteta was having a good couple of results before the United game, uh, I suppose. So, he'll want to bring back that momentum as soon as possible before it becomes too late uh, or when it comes to the Christmas side uh, of the fixture list. So, we'll see. Tough one. Tough one for Arsenal. This one is at Emirates. So, if they lose again, this, this will boil up. Right then, listener, that was Alan and I rounding up the midweek, uh, looking forward to a couple of fixtures from the weekend. And with that, we will end this pod. We'll be back on the pod next week, catching up on the major stories from this weekend and checking out what's in store for the best 16 clubs in the Champions League. Till then, take care and have a good weekend. And Alan, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Appreciate your thoughts. And uh, hopefully we'll hear from you a lot more on on Google Football Podcast. Thank you, Amor. Have a good day. Thanks. And you too, listeners. Yes. (laughs) Cheers. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Cheers.